Good morning. Jose was a little bit off. I've never done this before. <laughs> but I am humbled and honored to be up here. Um, about three, three, four months ago, we were talking as an elder board, and Scott was setting up the uh, pulpit supply while he was on sabbatical. And uh, he said somebody requested that I give my testimony. And I said I would. And he said, July 9th, so we're on July 9th. And uh, it's just part of my journey, and we all have journeys. The title of my uh, message is Peace in the Journey. But I know you may not have peace when things are going well. So I settled on peace. I was going to have peace in the storm, but I settled on peace in the journey. We all go through different stages in our life. And whatever stage you are in, I pray for that peace that only God can give. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we delve into your word, we trust you for your promises that are true each and every morning. We thank you for the worship team and the song that they sang and the words that were portrayed in those songs, the message. We thank you that you are true and faithful. Lord, give me clarity of speech and give us... Well, one night late this past winter, I had this dream, a very vivid dream. Besides our house was a large oak tree. Over time, it died, and I decided it was time to take it down. But there was one big problem that was going to make it very difficult. There was a large branch overhanging the roof of the house, way up high. And I knew if I cut it, the weight of that branch would bring it down to the house. Well, beside that oak tree, about 30 feet away, was a large cottonwood tree. I know at the end of Paul and Bev's, by their road, is a large cottonwood tree, and I'm sure many of you maybe have cottonwood trees in your yard or in the grove. It was a very, very large cottonwood you know what I'm talking about, the ones that put out the cotton and make a mess. We had two by our house when I was growing up. It looked real strong and sturdy. I thought, if I climb up high in that oak tree and tie a rope way above the branch that was hang overhanging the house and tie it down to the base of that cottonwood tree, it would keep the oak tree from falling onto the house. So that is what I did. I cut a notch in the oak tree like you're supposed to to get it to fall away from the house. I then made sure that the rope was good and tight to the cottonwood, and I proceeded to cut through the tree. Well, I finished cutting, and it teetered for a moment away from the house. But to my dismay, you guessed it, it fell towards the house along with the cottonwood tree. So it ruined my roof. Well, you ask, why didn't that cottonwood tree hold back the oak tree from falling onto the house? It looked so strong, and it looked so sturdy from the outside. But inside, it was rotting away. And the added pressure from the falling oak tree pulled it over. Then I thought, how many things in my life and I ask in your life, 
look so good to us. But when the pressures of life come, we find out that they are no help or no use to us. In fact, they add additional stress and harm to our situation. Well, who or what can be depended upon in this world? The verse that comes to, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night. David is telling us in, these, in this verse that trouble will come. He realizes that his help comes from his heavenly father. And Jesus reminds us in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in, you, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is going to be a recurring theme that I'm going to have throughout my message. But these things Jesus told us in the early verses that we will have trouble, but he tells us that he has and will help us and give us his strength in the troubles. You and I can live courageously in the middle of the storms of life in spite of the inevitable struggles you and I face in this earthly journey that we're on. We are not alone. Jesus will not abandon you or I in the struggles. We need to remember that the ultimate victory has already been won. We can claim the peace of Christ in the most troublesome time. John 14, it tells us, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not let it be afraid. It reminds me when I was in eighth grade, we had catechism, the church I attended, and John 14, the first 14 verses were actually ones I had to memorize. Friends, these truths and promises are only if you are a child of God. If you confess your sin and ask for God's forgiveness and invite him into your life, can you claim those promises? They're only for, they're only for Christ's children. If you have not done so, I encourage you to do so. There is only peace if you have Christ in your life. And as followers of Christ, we must stay connected to that source of strength. We must stay connected when times are good, so when the storms of life come, and I promise you that sometime they will come if they haven't already in your life. And as I look out and have visited with many of you, I know that many of you have had or still go through those storms. During our journey in this life, we must trust the captain of the ship, even when it seems he is asleep in the back of the boat, and it seems that things are out of control. But as he did with his disciples, he was always there, and he will be for us, and he will see us through the storms of life. Jesus didn't tell his disciples get in that boat and go to the other side of the lake and expect not to get them there. Nor did, he know, nor did he not know that there was going to be a storm. But their faith was tested, just like ours is at times. If you have your Bibles, uh, 
turn with me to Psalms 27. It's going to be the center of my message. I encourage you uh, to bring your Bibles, to underline and write notes. Make it, uh, make your Bible personal to you as you study and read it. Bonnie gave me this uh, this Bible. It's showing some wear for Christmas in 1991, and uh, I I need to send it in to get it recovered. But I I don't want to take the risk of not getting it back because I got all those years of history of how God has been faithful. Well, just follow uh, follow along with me as I read Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army beseech me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle, and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. My face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, for you have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of, your, of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait. For the Lord. Well, this Psalm of David tells us of a life of contrast. It starts starts out with praise, and then times of trial and danger and uncertainty, and then finishes with praise again. So many Psalms of David have the same scenario: times of danger and questioning, and he always usually comes back to praise. Well, verse one. It starts out with, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall you and I fear? Well, in the story of creation in the book of Genesis, it tells us that the first thing that God created was light. Without light, there is total darkness. Without light, we would stumble around and fall. And when the way is dark, it's easy to, to lose our way. And when it is dark... We cannot see what is ahead and can be afraid. One of the most vivid pictures of darkness that I think I can remember was one of the times Bonnie and I flew to Asia. And we flew over the Bering Sea and then we flew over on the edge of North Korea. 
And that, that country is really dark. There were no lights. Uh, the only reason I knew it was North Korea was because you could see on the map in front of the seat, in front of the plane. It was completely dark, so, so dark. Well, I remember as a young boy, and maybe you do too, that uh, not wanting to go upstairs in our old farmhouse by myself because it was dark, afraid of the dark. I'm sure you as parents today have been asked by your kids to leave a light on in their bedroom when they go to bed or leave the door open. Well, we can be thankful for the modern-day night, night lights. Or perhaps your kids hide under a blanket with, with a flashlight. Well, Christmas Eve, we always sing, or at the end of our, our service, we always light the candle to show us that God truly is the light of the, in our dark world. Well, you and I need light to see. David is telling us that God is a source of light. In John 8, it tells us that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Fellow believers, there is a requirement for us, and that is to follow our Savior. We need to follow what the GPS of his word tells us. His word through his Holy Spirit reveals to us the way we should live. In your car, in that little glove compartment, or in your truck, or us farmers, it's in the tractor or the combine, there's an owner's manual, and it tells us all about the features and how we should take care of it. Let me ask you, are you struggling in your life? We all do at times. We need to ask the question, am I following my Lord or someone or something else? We need to stay connected to the power source of that light, of the true light. God's word is our owner's manual. Do we use it? I received a call the other evening from a very angry young man. He said he tried six people to call before he got a hold of me. Actually, I didn't answer the phone because I was busy, but I called him back for a while, and I asked him, have you prayed about it? And he told me that prayer doesn't work. I asked him, my friend, are you praying for your will to be done or God's will? There's a big difference, and we often get those confused. I told him he needed to write all of his anger and hatred down on a sheet of paper and give it to God and then burn that sheet of paper. If he didn't, go, if he didn't do it, it was going to eat him alive and consume him. He needed to connect back to that source of light that is available to him. It goes on in that verse and says that the Lord is my salvation. Salvation is God's gift of grace to you and me. It is a gift of freedom from our sins that Jesus made possible by taking the punishment for our sins on the cross. And the victory over death and the hope and joy that he promises us. Again, I ask you, have you received that free gift? Well, it can be salvation from very hard times in our lives. David goes on in the next verses and tells us of those times. I want to share some personal hard times that I have had along with my dear wife, Bonnie. After being married for next month, 52 years, everything that you go through, usually you go through together. 
and I thank her and bless her for that. By my sharing some of these struggles, I'm not sharing that my hard times, our hard times are unique or worse than anyone else's. That's not the deal. But sharing because I want to share about God's faithfulness through them. I know some of you may have heard these before, but I want to remind you again of God's faithfulness by sharing. And to see God's faithfulness, sometimes we need to go back. Because we build from one time to another time. And I'm going to go way back, 40 years ago, when I was 33 years old. So you can guess, add that up, how old I am. Well, on January 2nd, it was 1983, we were walking out of our house to go on a short one-night stay in Sioux Falls for our family vacation. And the phone rang, and on the other end of the line our banker from Farm, was our banker from Farm Credit. He said, Dan, I have some bad news. Your loans are being called in, and you cannot borrow any more money. We were current on our loans and never late on our payments and had the cash flow to make those payments. I couldn't understand how this was possible. He explained to me that they had decided over the holidays that they were going to change the value of the farmland that I had from $1,800 an acre now to $800 an acre. And we still owed $1,200 an acre on our land loan. So our collateral was gone, and so was the $80,000 that I had paid so far. Well, and we lost that piece of land. We had no operating money and no living money, and our checkbook was completely empty. That one phone call changed our vacation plans, naturally. I still can vividly remember we were just getting into the car, and the phone rang. Some disappointed kids. What changed our plans and our future? What were we to do? We were flat broke and had nothing to buy food or any of the necessities we needed. I remember going around to get a job, trying to get a job, and no one was hiring. <clears throat> Excuse me, no one was hiring. Yes, even Smith Trucking wasn't hiring at the time. <laughs> the economy was not good in the rural areas at that time, and I remember walking the country roads in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep with a tightness in my chest and a heavy heart, wondering what I was to do. But God was faithful. I used to sing in a quartet, which I sang bass, and it was, well, we haven't sung for 25 years, but we did sing for 20 years, and it was a high point of my life at that time. We were singing in front of church, which I do like to, old-time preachers used to do and have a drink of water. <laughs> we were singing in front of church these words. Every need he is supplying, and I just lost it. I broke down crying in, <clears throat> excuse me, in front of church, realizing how God was doing that. That week before, our car and pickup license fees were due, and I wondered where the money was going to come to pay for that. Well, the next day in the mail, my sister Lois, who lived in Denver, she didn't know anything about the fees, sent a check with the exact amount to the penny, enough to pay the fees. I knew that God was supplying what we needed and to the exact amount. 
And that following week, a check for the amount of $1,000 with a note that the Lord had laid on this family, on his heart, because of that song, because of my emotion that we had sung that morning, he sent a check for $1,000. You talk about God providing. Well, on the job front, I was turning up nothing, and one morning Bonnie and I were sitting, excuse me again, by the kitchen table, and a knock came from the front door. I went to the door, and a local businessman who ran a fertilizer plant said, I heard that you're looking for a job. Would you like to come and work for me? Of course, I said yes. Plus, it was only two miles away. Well, that job was a real challenge, as you can imagine, because he wanted me to go and call on farmers who didn't want to spend any money. And that was rather hard to do that winter. But we made it to spring, and I ran the fertilizer truck for him that spring. My brother Bob, my oldest brother Bob, put the crop in for me. And through the summer, I was able to get a local bank to finance me, and we've been able to farm for 40-plus years since then. Well, on Monday of that third week of work, my boss came to me and asked for my Social Security number and mailing address so he could send it, all that information to the company he worked for. He needed them for the company to send the paycheck in two more weeks, so after you were there a month, you could get your first check. I don't know if you can find what I'm going to share with you, you can believe this or not, but they didn't know who I was, but I received a check in the mail from them that previous Friday. I told him that, and he looked at me, this really strange look. He says, how could you have been paid? I have not yet sent any of your information to the company, to the head office. They don't know who you are. They don't know your address. Well, I told him with a smile on my face, enjoying my heart, I guess God knew about it. We needed money. So he took care of it. It just blew me away. God was indeed faithful through that trying time. Well, the second part of verse 1, and I promise you I'm not going to take this much time with all the verses, but the second part of verse 1 is, Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? One old village blacksmith once said, There is only one thing I fear, being thrown onto the scrap heap. You see, in order to strengthen a piece of steel, I must temper it, I must heat it, and hammer it, and quickly plunge it into a bucket of cold water. Very soon, I know whether it will accept the tempering process or simply fall to pieces. If after one or two tests, I see it will not allow itself to be tempered, I throw it into the scrap heap, only to later on sell it to the junk man for a few cents per pound. I realize the Lord Jesus tests me in the same way, through fire and water and the heavy blows of his hammer. If I am unwilling to withstand the test or prove to be unfit for his tempering processes, I am afraid he may throw me into the scrap heap. When the fire in our life is the hottest, stand still, for later on it produces a harvest of blessing. Then we will be able to say with Job, when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. We have a lot of things in this life that can cause us fear, don't we? David tells us in the verses 2 through 4 about evil men 
enemies, a whole army in war. We can fear war. We can fear for our health, the raising of our kids in this culture, the daily news, the loss of our job, or even death, and on and on. We are told as followers of Christ ahead of time that trouble will come. But we have a choice. We can let fear defeat us, or we can go to our refuge. How can we not fear when we face trouble? The answer is in the Lord. He is my stronghold. He is my fortress. He is my rock. In Psalms 23, it says, Our God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You see, in ancient Near Eastern culture, at a banquet, it was customary to anoint a guest with fragrant oil as a lotion. Hosts were expected to protect their guest at all costs. God offers the protection of a host, even when enemies surround us. Another psalm, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. In that verse, it tells us we need to seek him. When we see, seek something, we pursue it. We actively work at it. Do we daily seek our Savior? Do we keep our eyes and our hearts on him? Remember Peter when he got in the boat to walk to Jesus? He was perfectly fine until he took his eyes off of Jesus and put it on the storm. But Jesus reached out to him and took his hand and took a hold of Peter and lifted him up. Let me ask a question. Who are you seeking in your life? Remember, our God came and seeks for us and offers us salvation. He offers us help through the storms that you and I face in this life. One thing that God doesn't do is force himself on us. He will let us try to do things our own way. We must seek him and willingly follow him. I want to share a storm that Bonnie and I had and continue to have as parents. I want this to be an encouragement to you as parents out there and grandparents. Well, one of the hardest times in our life as parents was around 20 years ago when our oldest son came home and told us that he no longer believed in God or the values that he was raised with. I asked him, son, what do you believe in? And he shared that the only thing he knew and believed in was the chair that he was sitting in would hold him up. Well, with a heavy heart and, and broken heart, hearing that, I shared with him that there is a God, there is a true God, and he is able to keep us in this life and the life to come. And he stated, Dad, that's fine for you, but I don't believe that. And I asked him one question. Son, what if you are wrong? And there is a God. His answer was, I will take my chances. It was very hard to see our son get up from that chair and walk out of our house, knowing that eternity hung in the balance. I want to challenge young people, or you as parents of young people, to not listen to the loud voices of the world telling you that there is no God. They want you to not believe that there is a narrow way and the only way to salvation. It is only through the blood of Christ. 
and believing and living for him. That the only way to peace and happiness that will last is through believing in Jesus. Hang on to that word of God and trust him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. John 10 tells us, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief just comes to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus goes on and tells us and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. We will never perish. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. Well, you know as parents, raising your kids, if you're a believer, you want them to follow God all the days of their lives and to live for him. And it's really hard when they do not. And you can feel like a failure when they don't. The number one concern is their relationship with God and the life that they are living. I went through a long time as a dad, blaming myself and asking, what could I have done differently in raising my son? I have shared with him many times over the years that I am a sinner and in need of God's grace, just like everybody. And only through God's mercy we are saved. And at times you can feel all alone and that you're the only one going through that as a family. Well, as a dad, I needed to come to the grips with the idea that I could not fix it and give it to God. And that was a journey in itself to get to that point. But we pray and believe the verses of Psalms 27. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. And another verse in Psalms says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I like this quote from Corrie ten Boom. I don't know if, if you all know who Corrie ten Boom. She spent some years in a Nazi concentration camp. But she says, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And add to that, it is through the most difficult trials that God often brings the sweetest discoveries of himself. A young pastor once wrote to an elderly mother who was extremely worried and burdened over the condition of her son. He wrote, You are worried too much about him. Once you have prayed for him, as you have done, and committed him to God, you should not be anxious. God's command in Philippians 4 tells us, Do not be anxious about anything. That is, promise is unlimited, and so is that verse. In 1 Peter it says, Cast all your anxiety on him. If we truly have cast our burdens upon another, can they continue to pressure us? If we carry them with us from the throne of grace, it is obvious that we have not left them there. In my own life, I test the prayers this way. After committing something to God, if I come away like Hannah did, with no more sadness and pain and anxiety in my heart, I see it as proof that I have prayed the prayer of faith. 
But if I pray and still carry my burdens, I conclude my faith was not exercised. You and I cannot do such a thing without the Holy Spirit's help and daily seek him. May you and I hold on to Christ because, because Christ promises to never let us go. We can have peace in spite of the storms. Jesus tells us in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. David goes on to share that seeking after God is not just for the future, but for the here and now in this life that we live. He tells us all the days of his life in this verse. To see and know God in a fuller and more complete way each each day, we can and must cry out to God. Verse 5 goes on and he tells us, In the day of trouble he will come and keep me safe in his dwelling, and he will hide me in the shelters and set me high upon a rock. In other words, it's a sure place to be. I'm going to share about a time when I cried out to God. It was November 2011. My son, or my nephew, John, son Chad, and grandson Carter, and myself were doing a tiling project. We had a good morning tiling and quit to go home to Chad's and have dinner. We sat around for a while, and we had a great visit. It was a beautiful day, and we left and drove the five miles back to the farm field where we were tiling. Well, John and I were treating off and on, running the back hole, digging the hole. And John climbed off the back hole and said to me, It's your turn, Uncle Dan. So I climbed up and proceeded to finish the hole that he had started. Uh, he was down in the, in the hole to hook up the, the tile connection. Well, I needed to move ahead a little bit. And uh, so I reached back and moved the lever, and it went ahead. And I stopped and moved the lever to neutral. But the tip of the back hole was on the edge of the trench. And when I put it to neutral, it sprang back, pinning John and killing him instantly. Well, right before our eyes, my nephew John's life was gone. I cried out to God, please spare John's life, as Chad and I tried to revive him. I cried, why God? Not John. Why God? Why could it have been me instead? Well, through that time, weeping on the ground over what had happened, I looked up and saw in the sky above the accident. It looked like the presence of Jesus in the darkest moments of my life. Well, 30 minutes had passed, and I was laying on the ground weeping, and John's mother, hearing of the accident, sent me a text saying, Dan, God is in control. Trust him. The story is not all written yet. Well, I remember being taken home and visitors coming. Three of my five brothers came, and one just sat on the floor and just put his hand on my leg and said nothing for a long time. That meant the most to me. Words mean very little at that time, just hugs and tears. Well, well-meaning people came, and some brought me books written by someone else that had suffered loss of some kind. I had no interest in reading how someone else had handled their struggle, many blaming God and at first were angry with God. I thank God that he kept me in his arms and carried the burden with me. I turned to scripture, and you can guess I turned to Psalms, and went through the Psalms and wrote verse after verse on a sheet of paper. I think I filled up three or four pages of David crying out to God, 
questioning God, and then the answer and the assurance of God's faithfulness to overcome, just leaning on the arms of my Heavenly Father. Well, I dealt with guilt for a long time, and I still do to a point, and I prayed Psalms 40. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the heads of my head, and my heart fails within me. I'm going to have several verses of Psalms, and if you would like, you can certainly write them down. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, and my soul and my body with grief and lamentations. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you, and you said, Do not fear. And back to Psalms. We wait in hope for the Lord and this great promise. He is our help and our shield. And God, again, is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And then the last verse I want to share with that is, I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress and my refuge in times of trouble. Well, through these times, people have asked me, why did this happen to you? You come from, quote, a good family, or, quote, you are religious. They've asked, why did God let this happen? And I always share, being religious has absolutely nothing to do with it. Being a Christian does not spare you and I from trials and heartache. But what God has always promised, that he is faithful to walk with you and me through trials. He is the captain of the ship, and he holds you and me in his arms. God has taught me that my peace cannot come from my circumstances. I need to only look to him and his word. There's another song that our quartet used to sing. We have come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. He has never failed us yet. Oh, we can't turn back. We can't turn back. Don't be discouraged when there's trouble in your life. He'll bear your burden and move all the misery and the strife. Just remember the good things that God has done. Things that seem impossible, oh, praise him for the things that he has done and continues to do. Well, I want to finish up with verses 10 through 14. I'm going to read them again. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I should just do this good once and be done. 
Well, some here may have been forsaken by your parents or by a friend or by your husband or your wife or maybe your kids. I'd like to encourage you to underline this verse in your Bible, this verse of promise. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Did we lose our picture? The, yeah. That's our son-in-law. The last time we were in Thailand, I went with my son-in-law, Van Den, to a refugee camp in the, at the border. And by the way, he spent two years in a refugee camp when, between his age two to five. Well, at the time we visited this camp, there were 700 kids and some parents who were forsaken and chased by the rebels and they ran for their lives to cross the border. Well, there I asked myself, why was I born where I was born? And not here in the refugee camp. I am no more deserving than that. I could easily have been born there and and lived there. I once asked my son-in-law, Vendin, I have never heard you once complain. Why is that? He told me because I realize that all I have been given. Do you and I realize what we've been given? God promises never to leave us. He is always teaching us his ways. Remember, David had much pain, even though David was chosen by God and called a man after God's own heart. At the end of our hope, we find the brightest beginnings of fulfillment. This is a quote from Streams in the Desert. When darkness seems the deepest, the most radiant light is set to emerge. Our joys are made better when sorrow is in the midst of them. The flowers planted at the grave deep within the Christian heart are love and hope and joy and faith and peace. God does not offer us explanations for why he allows some things and not others. Why he does what he does not do when he is what he has chosen to prevent. Instead, he offers us something infinitely better. He offers us himself. He calls on us to trust his character. That he is good. That he is just. He's unlimited in his power and authority, and mysterious. As Paul tells us, how unsearchable are his judgments, and inscrutable, meaning really it's outside our understanding, but it will not always be this way. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then in eternity, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Until the day each of us followers of Jesus enter into the presence of our gracious Redeemer and sees those who have gone before, may you and I trust what happens, however grievous. He is with those who love him, closer to us than the air we breathe. Well, the last verse in this psalm is, Wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Well, you and I both know Waiting is really difficult to do. Well, David knew that from experience. He was anointed king at age 16. But he didn't become king until he was 30. 
Between those years, King Saul tried to kill him. Later, after becoming king, he was even chased by his own son, Absalom. Waiting, perhaps, is the most difficult thing asked of us, especially in our instant on-demand culture. We want what we want, and we want it now. Well, many times, God causes us to wait, to teach us patience, trust, and faith. Sometimes to protect us from ourselves, to renew us, to refresh us. You and I must trust our Heavenly Father in the waiting. I want to close with this short story. A visitor at the school for the deaf was writing questions on the board for the, the children. Soon he wrote this sentence. Why has God made me able to speak and to hear and made you deaf? The shocking sentence hit the children like a cruel slap in the face. They sat paralyzed, pondering that dreadful word, why? And then a little girl rose with her lip trembling, pondering that dreadful word, why? She walked straight to the board, picked up a chalk, and her eyes swimming with tears. She wrote these precious words. Yes, Lord, for this was for your good pleasure. What a reply. Yes, Lord, it was for th this was for your good pleasure. It reaches up and claims an eternal truth upon which the most mature believer and even the youngest child of God may securely rest. The truth is that God is our Father. Amen. You bow with me in prayer as the worship team comes. Heavenly Father, we truly are grateful that you love and reach down to us. You saved us. You give us a hope and assurance when struggles come that you are the rock that we stand on. You are our sure foundation. And we thank you so much for that promise. In Jesus' name, amen.